Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Were you guys blessed by the worship today? Chandler, is it possible to get a longer cord, just a little bit, you know, like to wander? Is that as long as this goes? I don't want to pull it out. But if we could trade it for a longer one, that'd be awesome. So, yeah, God is good. I've got glasses running here somewhere. I'm going to pop these on. Take a look. we got one hour. We should be just fine. <laughs> Laura. We should be just fine by the grace of God. Were you guys blessed by the worship team? That was a new mix of worship leaders. Yeah, can we give them a hand? Yeah, Kenna and Jackie, Cammie, you guys did awesome. I was uh, talking to Brent and just saying, yeah, how much our team has grown, right? These girls have grown from two to three years ago to where they are now, and they're starting to learn to flow prophetically, and it's just such a blessing, and it's such a joy to me. I love that Lyra comes up every time, and she always comes up shaking her head like, Lord, seriously, do I have to say this again? So, well, I could have used that one. That was on purpose. Uh, you see how he is. All right, so now we're going to tell a story about Shane, since this isn't working. No, I'm teasing. But um, it was neat to see them grow and begin to come into the fullness of who God's created them to be. And it's been really fun, too. Are you guys starting to feel like it's normative for us? We've kind of got the pro- prophecy component down now during worship. For the first piece, you know, Laura kind of opens it up, lets you know how it's going to flow. We open it up for prophecy again in the middle of worship once, and then we're trying to close it out um, at the end for anyone that didn't get to share during the prophecy time. Yeah, keep turning it out. Yeah, a little bit more. There you go. Perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate your service, son of God. That's a positive life statement, life affirming statement there. So, thank you. That's perfect. Thanks, Sheena. As I was praying about what God wanted me to share today, um, I'll just tell you a little, start off with a little bit of a story. Three people over the last month said something interesting to me that I didn't really hit me until I started to ask God what he wanted me to share with his children today. And I always say, Daddy, what do you want me to share with your kids, you know? And um, someone said to me, Stephanie, I don't know how you do everything you're doing. You just do so much. I don't say that to fuck myself up. I don't say that to pat myself on the back. But sometimes, how many of you have been in ministry for a while and your capacity grows and you start to do the things God wants you to do and then all of a sudden you turn around and you're going, I didn't know I was capable by the grace of God of doing this much. Amen. Have you ever been there? Seasons like that where you're looking at your life going, I know this has to be God because there's no way it's me. And you don't think about it until someone says something to you and then all of a sudden you're going, you know what? That's a really good point. This has got to be supernatural. Amen. So that happened three times over the last month, and she's laughing because she was one of the people. <laughs> but um, I just started pondering that. And I was asking the Lord, you know, what do you want me to teach on? That was in my spirit. And I, he woke me up at 2 a.m. and then at 4 a.m. another night. I've been having a lot of dreams. It's been beautifully uh, glorious, interesting, you know, as Laura likes to say. Sometimes lots of sleep, sometimes not so much. But God has been speaking. And I heard this in my spirit. He said, Colossians 1.27. I said, okay. 
So I'm, I'm not good with numbers. For those of you that have heard my testimony, you know that Shane and I joke and we got in a fight one time about the budget. And I said, out of in frustration, my mind went totally blank. And I said, I know that two plus two is two. And he laughed so hard he cried. He laughed so hard he cried. So me and numbers, you know, we just don't do that. That's not who I am. I can write, I can preach, I can prophesy, I can sort of dance pretty good, and I can sing, right? All that creative stuff. This is a natural blessing and anointing that God's put on my life. But um, numbers are something I don't do. So I had to look up Colossians um, 127. And I'm going to read it for you in a second. It says this. It says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I was like, okay, Father, you know, we've preached on this several times. This is seriously what we talk about again. I wasn't trying to knock it or anything. I just thought, well, we've preached this three, four times over the last several years. And he said, yep. Yeah. And then reminded me of the story, the first time I ever heard this verse. I was at a Joyce Meyer conference, and I was sitting in the front row, and um, Shane's going to laugh when I share this story. The Lord told me to give my wedding ring in an offering. It was a wedding ring I hadn't had very long for you newlyweds and or women who've been married a long time. You understand how that can go down. But I'm sitting in the front row, and they're taking an offering, and Father God says, I want you to be married to me. And it was interesting because a gorgeous ring, it had three rather large diamonds, it was gold, and on the inside it said, forever yours. That was the inscription on the inside. My husband had bought it for me, and Daddy said, I want you to put that in the offering plate. And I did. Judge Sawyer goes on to continue preaching, and I don't even remember the message that she was preaching at the time, but toward the tail end of part of the message, she said, and the reality of it all is this. The end of it all is this. That Christ in you is the hope of glory. I had, I had given that great offering with a great expectation that God was going to do something amazing. And when she said those words, in my inner man, something lit up. I didn't just hear it here with my ears. It was like I received it on the inside of me and something shifted. So we're going to talk today about that hope of glory. As I pulled um, the PowerPoint slide up today, I was laughing. This is one of the uh, little little motorcycles, one of the little examples that they give you, right? And I was like, ooh, I like that ride. <laughs> I said, Lord, can we use that in the PowerPoint today? I just love it. I love it because it's red. I love it because it's, you know, one of those rocket bikes, right? It's fast. It's speedy. It can navigate the streets. It can go downstairs. It can go upstairs. It can ride on the Great Wall of China if you needed to, right? It's maneuverable. It's easy to move, right? It's fast. I love to go fast. In Colossians 1.29, Paul said, To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. And this is really what God was showing me as my friends were asking me that this last month. He was just reminding me. It's my energy in you. It's his energy in us that causes us to work powerfully, to do beyond what seems 
humanly possible to move in the supernatural, to move in favor, to move in miracles, to move in signs, and to move in wonders, right? We were talking about that earlier today. It's his energy. And yet at the same time, Paul says, to this end I labor, struggling. Right? Anybody can relate to that sometimes? You're laboring, you're struggling. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, who am I struggling in and of my own self? Am I struggling in and of my own flesh? In and of my own energy? Am I struggling and laboring with all his energy? Am I going before the throne of grace, before my Lord and my Savior, receiving the thing that I need, being honest about where I'm at, receiving the thing that I need to go forward and do what it is he's called me to do, amen? We need to do that over and over again. Luke 145, I absolutely, this is one of my favorite verses. It's in the context of Mary going to Elizabeth and talking about, really trying to hide, honestly. She was going to come under some persecution. She was pregnant with Jesus. And she goes to Elizabeth's house to kind of hide out there for a while and stay safe because in Israel at that time, her being pregnant out of wedlock, she would have been killed. This is Mary, mother of Jesus. So she goes there to hide out, and when she arrives, it says, when you spoke, she says, John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's belly, left in her womb. And then she continues to release this blessing over Mary, and who Mary is, and who it is that God was calling Mary to be. And at the end of this blessing, this is what she says. She said, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord's word to her will be fulfilled. And I just feel like that's a word for some of us here today. Blessed are you, daughter of God, son of God, because you believe that what the Lord has said to you shall be fulfilled. Can you say amen if that's for you? Amen. I receive that. It's his energy. I was reading through um, Zechariah 4 and 6 because, 6 because when I heard his energy, I was reminded of that scripture there where the two lampstands and the two olive trees. Are you familiar with that? The picture that was there, the vision, right? You've got these two lamps that are being, you know, they're receiving these, the, the oil from, from these olive trees. And he says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He says, not by might nor by power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Tzadioth, the Lord of all the angel armies, Amen. What are you, O great mountain? And he begins to prophesy before Zerubbabel that you will become a plain. Then he will bring forth the capstone, who is Jesus, accompanied by shouts of grace to it, grace to it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we're out there and we're laboring and we forget that we need to lean on the olive trees. Father God, Holy Spirit, Christ in us, amen? We need to receive the oil that is freely flowing all the time from the thrones of God, the two thrones of the Father and the Son, right? To us and into our lives. And we don't have to succumb to the capacities of normal people, right? We don't have to be defeated by some of the kings or wannabe kings of this world, amen? But by the grace of God, by the might of God, by the power of God, by his energy powerfully working in us. As we, if we're going to struggle, we need to struggle with labor to enter into the rest of God and receive the fullness of the blessing that he desires to give us. Amen.
on to prophesy, and this is really a picture of Jesus. It's so beautiful. If you've never read uh, Zechariah 4, take time to go read it this week. It's a gorgeous scripture. It says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. The seven eyes, okay, which refers to the seven spirits of God, of the Lord, which range throughout the whole earth, the two olive trees, are the two sons of oil, the anointed ones, who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Come on, somebody. That's a picture of Jesus. Go ahead and go to that next slide. So I start toying around with the idea of this motorcycle because Shane and I joked about getting motorcycles at one time. You notice the redhead? <laughs> two ladies in there. You don't usually see ladies on bike, but I love these pictures. I had so much fun picking these out this morning. We got a guy on there too, you know. There's different stages in our walk with the Lord, and we have different levels of grace and energy for each stage, and it's okay. Tell your neighbor, said it, it's okay, it's okay. to be where you are. To be where you are. All right? Sometimes we need to give ourselves permission to be where we're at, right? I love this guy on the moped. I was dying laughing when I found that one. The moped guy, he's like, he's just starting out. He's taking his time. He's trying to figure out how to balance on the moped. He's not going to go too fast. He's kind of still in tourist mode. Let me check this out. I'm not sure what I think. I'm going to take my time. I'm not trying to race up and down the Great Wall of China quite yet. I'm just trying to get my bearings to Jesus. Can anybody relate? Amen. You been there? I've been there. Right? Every new level that we go to, every new season and era that we come into, quite frankly, we're in moped mode. And it's all right. You, you get up on your moped, you start that little thing, and you feel ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Because everybody's looking at you, you got this tiny little moped, and they're zipping by on their little, you know, on their crotch rockets. And you're going, do, 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 do. I'm on my way, but I haven't arrived. But it's okay. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. God loves to take the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He absolutely loves it. And your small thing, your moped moment, is something that God is going to use if you just keep riding. You're going to get your upgrade. Amen? And I had to laugh. Uh, the chick on the bottom, she's funny, man. She's like, listen, I know I don't maybe look like a typical bike rider, but I'm going to do this. She's like, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to get my bearings. I'm going to hold this thing up. It's not easy. You can tell she's struggling. Like, she's barely got it balanced, right? Like, hold on. She's not quite a mopeder, but she's just getting on her bike, and she's trying to figure it out. She's excited. It's got a lot of color, a lot of flair. She's passionate, right? I'm going to ride this thing. I'm going to try this. I'm going to turn this key. No, I mean, you see the smile on her face. She looks like, well, I might fall, but it's going to be worth it. Right? Amen? Sometimes in Christ, we have to be willing to fail. We have to be willing to fall. We have to be willing to get up on that thing that seems too big for us, might seem a little cumbersome, might seem a little scary, and hold on to that sucker and say, God is good and God is willing and God is able. I'm going to hold on to my dear life, but I'm going to do what he said to do. Amen? Can anyone relate to that? Have you been in those moments where you're moving into something new and God's asking you to do something and you're thinking, well, Lord, I know this is you, but this feels too big, it feels too awkward, it feels too heavy, it feels too scary. Right? But those are the moments when we need to labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in us. Okay, Lord, I can't hold up this bike, but you can. Lord, I don't even know how to start this thing. Okay, that's my story half the time. I don't even know how to do it, Jesus. But thank you, Lord, that you live on the inside of me and you have an answer for this. Amen? And there's a redhead on the left. I absolutely love this one. She is on fire. She is cranking the gear. She's maneuvering through everything by the grace of God at work in her. She is tearing it up. 
He's like, listen, I'm going to win this race. I've been around this block before. She's using wisdom, right? She's using wisdom. She took her classes. She did what she needed to do. But she's like, it's time to roll. Okay? And some of you have been sitting on your bike thinking you can't move. And Daddy wants you to know you need to start that sucker up because it's time to roll. Turn your neighbor and say, it's time to roll. All right? And that's not a rebuke. That's a blessing. You are braver than you think you are. You're more ready than you think you are. And God has used you before and he wants to use you again. You just got to be willing to get back up on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. He loves you so much. We need you. So going back up, back to that Colossians verse on the next slide here. In 124, I love this. The context. Context is king. Right? Sometimes we like to pull a verse out of context and hold on to that promise, but then when we fail to look at context, we set ourselves up for disappointment because we don't understand what's required to walk in the fullness of the promise that we're holding on to, okay? So always check your context. This particular context refers to suffering. It says, now I rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Come on. My friend Dianetti, I taped her at the content gathering the other day. We were both there sharing. And, uh, she said, well, God's teaching me to rejoice in suffering, Stephanie. And it has not been fun. Tears start to come on her face. She said, but it has been good, and I will praise the Lord my God because he is good. He's been teaching me to rejoice. I said, Dianne, that's awesome. And here it says, now I will rejoice. So not tomorrow, not next week, not when you get the answer prayer, but now, in the midst of the struggle. Why? Because God is still good. He has not changed. He's still able to win this war. He is still moving. He has still provided. So we rejoice now. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. And he's always good, even when it looks like a hot mess all around us. He's always good. So we can rejoice now. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. Ooh. I gotta tell myself to rejoice in suffering sometimes. Anybody else have to do that? Okay, let's be honest. It's all right. Because your flesh goes, oh, oh, I thought that was a good idea until I got, until my flesh felt that, right? We have those moments where your flesh screams back at you. Now I rejoice and what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what was still lacking in regards to what? This is so interesting. I fill up in my flesh, it says, what was missing or lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of the body, which is the church. That's interesting. We've been doing a Bible study on the names of God and who God is, and we were talking today a little bit about that, that in the body of Christ, people aren't perfect, and the entire point of the ecclesia is to bring the gospel message to a hurting world so that they can be saved and reconciled to God, amen? But guess what? When we do that, it's messy. And people don't come in pretty cleaned up and ready to roll. They come in hurting and hurting others and trying to figure out life and confused. And that means that we need to be gracious with them. We need to love them where they're at, disciple them the best we can, share the truth and love when they're acting all quite right, and how many of us have been there? Listen, my husband, I, I say this all the time, my husband's going to get probably more rewards than I am because I was a hot mess when he found me. I was a hot mess, but he loved me whole. 
And I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing now apart from his willingness to love me where I was at and to put up with my nonsense and my insecurities and my fears. When they come, they're going to come hurt and broken. But God is well able to make them whole. And he has an appointment and a destiny on your life to help first to make that happen for you so you can personally experience him as Lord and Savior of your life, but then to have you positioned and appointed so that multitudes can experience the same redemption, same restoration, and same reparations that you did. It's all three. Redemption, you get saved. You get reconciled to Christ. Restoration, you open up that closet in your past, you clean it all out, and God heals it and redeems it all. He takes care of all that mess. He restores it all. All your relationships, all the hurts, all the wounds. And reparations, because everything the devil stole from you, he's got to give back seven times. Does that make anybody's day? Amen. Amen. Yes. He's got to give it back seven times. Seven times. Amen. Yes, say that, baby. Amen. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead and go to that next slide. So continuing on the motorcycle. You know, we got that. We got that at the Supreme Court for Laura. I love that she's sealing all the words with it. So continuing on kind of the motorcycle theme, I was like, all right, Lord. In order to navigate to the point where his energy works mightily in me, I started to think about, okay, what was the process, Father? What did I have to go through? What did that look like, right? And... Um, Quite frankly, well, we'll get to this in the next slide. I think that's the next one. I want to jump ahead. Yeah, all right. Number one, I had to be teachable, okay? I had to realize that where he was, he was taking me. And even now, the new things, the new era I'm coming into, I have, there's something I need to learn. There's something someone else knows that I don't know that I need to be willing to receive. Holy Spirit obviously knows way more than me, but I'm talking about people, Okay? The beauty of the body of Christ is that we don't have to do any of this alone. Can anybody say amen? Has anybody ever been a Lone Ranger and then found a tribe that you can kind of run with and it's like, man, this feels good. I'm so tired of being alone, right? I mean, at first, we sort of, in our youthfulness, at least I did, anyway, oh, I'm going to take on the world, right? We're going to do this, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You get sucker punched in the face a couple times and you realize, man, I need somebody on my back and my left. Am I right? It'd be real nice if we just let the Lord go before us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And it's a process of coming from that place of zeal into a place of wisdom and understanding and revelation and humility that says, you know what? I actually want to be with others. I'm teachable. We got to ask God questions, right? So um, I had a director over at Trinity Church one time. She said, Stephanie, I need you to, one of my feedbacks, okay? We do feedbacks every six months or a year. She said, I need you to ask more questions. You make a lot of assumptions, you know, kind of a fast thinker, right? So they would say something, and, I, and my prophetic gift would shift, and I'd say, I heard A, B, C, and D, put those things together, this is going on, these are 17 other things I know that are happening. That means Q is the answer. And she goes, well, Q would be the answer if these three assumptions are right because these three are wrong. It's actually why. That's super helpful, thank you so much. So we've got to be willing to ask questions, not just of God and Holy Spirit, we talk about that a lot when we do our activations, right? So you see something, or you hear something, or you get a prophetic word, and we say to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, first of all, what is this? Because just because I had the same vision 10 years ago, 7 years ago, 3 years ago, 2 seconds ago, doesn't mean it means the same thing in this moment. 
And I'll give you an example with permission of Lear. Would that be okay, Lyra? So Lyra came up for altar ministry one time. And she said, I see fire. Wasn't it fire? I think it was, I see fire. And I said, okay, Lord. I said, I almost said what that meant. I was prophesying into that and what I thought that meant. And then it was this purification thing, blah, blah, blah. Holy Spirit stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, tell her to ask me, what does it mean? So I said, okay. I said, Lord, uh, you know, Lyra, the Lord told me to tell you to ask him what that means. And out of her mouth comes, it means I need boldness. Totally. I was off track going with my little assumptions. When we ask God questions and we ask others questions, we usually get to the true heart of the matter and what it is God wants to do. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Do you remember that now, darling? And I was so glad I didn't. It changed the whole way that we did altar ministry. Instead of functioning from a download perspective now, we really have shifted to a practice of saying, Holy Spirit, what is this? Because just because I've seen it before doesn't mean I know what it is. And what do you want me to do about it? Sometimes he'll tell you to give a word. Sometimes he'll just have you lay hands on the person to pray. Sometimes he'll have you just encourage them. Sometimes he'll have you ask them a question like he did with me and Leah. Sometimes he'll say, sit down and shut your mouth. I don't want you to say anything. Sometimes he'll say, go to Laura or whoever's in charge, Jackie. You know, she's in worship. Whisper it in her ear. Tell her what's going on. And we, it's so important that we obey because God knows the heart of the person that's being ministered to perfectly. He knows all things. He's omnipotent and omniscient. He can read our thoughts and he knows that individual. And when we are humble enough to obey in those ways, lives are changed because he understands best what they need and what they're going to respond to. And I don't know why, but somebody needs to hear this. Just because a person responds poorly doesn't mean that you missed it. Amen? So I just, right now, in Jesus' name, break off. I just hear shame or accusation. If you've been accused of doing something wrong, but you know you obeyed God. Because sometimes we minister, and the Lord told you to say it, and the response wasn't, like, favorable, and you're thinking, wow, did I miss it? You know, some of you did exactly what he asked you to do. So we need to ask God questions. We need to listen to the answers, right? If you're asking a question, you don't take time to listen. No. Okay, we've all been there, because we've all been kids, right? You ever do that where you're so excited about something, and you're talking and talking and talking and talking, you're waiting you know, then you ask them a question, but you're already thinking about what you're going to say, and you're not really listening to what the person's saying to you because you're so excited about what you want to share. Can anybody admit to doing that? Okay, we've all done it, right? Right? If you've taken the coaching class that we do, you learn how to be a good listener. Out of the mouth flow the issues of the heart. So when we listen well, you actually learn what's going on in the heart of the person because out of the mouth flow the issues of the heart. You can hear what's happening. You can hear what they're, where they're at. You can hear what the root issues are. And you can actually love them better and reconcile them to God in a more effective way by taking time to listen and to ask questions. Amen? Amen. All right. And I love this, too. He was reminding me as I was putting this together. It's important to learn from others. You see the guy and the girl working on a bike. The girl's looking on the little iPad there. Um, Laura had a dream a few years ago about um, a situation. And in this particular dream, this individual was putting bowls of revelation up on a really high shelf and was hoarding them. This individual didn't want to share the revelation and was just keeping it real to themselves. And um, 
when we prayed into that and asked the Lord what it meant, he, it was almost like a warning for us to not do that. Like he was saying, freely you have received, freely give. The revelation I give you is for the body of Christ. Some will receive it. Some won't, and it's okay, but your job is to give it freely away. Whatever I give you to freely give it to others. That includes impartations, that includes anointings, that includes revelation. Because that's how the body grows. And the third picture there, the guy falling off the bike. You are going to fail. You are going to crash, but that does not make you a failure. That makes you human, honey. The scripture tells us that a righteous man falls seven times, and in the Hebrew that means, in other words, you've perfectly failed. <laughs> but the difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man is that the righteous man gets back up again. Right? So and imagine what's going through this guy's mind on this motorcycle as he's coming to a screeching halt in a crash. And you may be thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to land on my leg? Am I going to survive? Is my face going to be deformed? Lord Jesus, please help me. Am I ever going to get out of this? Is this going to be a life-altering crash? But in Christ, we persevere and we try again and again and again and again and again until we see the victory because God is willing and able. Amen? The question isn't whether or not you failed. It's what do you do afterwards? And are you willing to get back up again? Are you willing to try again? And if you are, you will see a victory. Amen? It goes on in Colossians 1.25 on the next slide, please. I have become a servant by the commission of God. Excuse me. I have become a servant by the commission God gave. That's supposed to say, not veto. Let me read this Let me read this correctly for you. I want to make sure I get it right. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Okay. God gave me to present to you the word of God in his fullness. When I got saved, I wanted to change the world. I, God had so blessed me and so changed my life. I just wanted to love him back. I'd been radically, radically saved. I knew that, quite frankly, I didn't deserve it, but I was absolutely overcome and overwhelmed by the reality of God's love for me. This orphan woman, you know, this, this abandoned child, this fatherless daughter, this woman who had endured so much and failed so much miserably, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I was just so thankful. I thought, oh, what can I do? Right? We do that. What can I do for you? How can I love you? How can I bless you? How can I pour out my life? And that testimony that you hear about the African boy who steps in the offering plate, he says, Lord, I have nothing else to offer you, but here am I. That was literally my heart. That was literally the heart. But when I look back over the last 20 or 30 years, I had beautiful prophecies from the moment I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I even had prophecies when Camille was born. She was just a baby. I got prophecies about Cabo. It wasn't until, two, she was born in 1999, it wasn't until 2008 that the doors for those prophecies started to open. It was nine years. 
It wasn't until 2012, okay, that was 13 years later, that Kabul actually became a 501c3. 13 years. We were talking in class today about how sometimes right before the vision is about to be birthed, the enemy will try to convince us to quit or to give up. And I just want to encourage you, if you're there, if you're on the precipice of wanting to press into something, but the enemy is pushing in on you and trying to get you to quit, I want to encourage you, do not quit. Whatever you do, do not quit. Do not quit because you are right there. You are right there. And I had to do the right thing. Let me rephrase that. I had to obey God. That is the right thing, okay? I had to heed his voice and say what he told me to say and see what it was he was doing and do it over and over and over and over and over again for nine years prior to even a glimmer of the vision coming to pass for that. Nine years. And God wasn't the problem and he wasn't late. I was just getting where he needed me to be to be able to lead and love and serve 210 pastors in the region. It would not have been pretty if Stephanie Butler, nine years prior, had been put in charge. No. We would have had World War III in the pastor's uh, group there. It would not have been pretty. I was prideful. I was insecure. I was scared. I didn't know fully how to operate in power and prophecy and all those things. I knew the word, but I had to apply it fully to my life. And in 2012, when God allowed it to be launched, I, I had been formed. I had been through. I had learned to love not just those that loved me, but I had learned to love my enemies, those that meant me malicious intent and harm. I can remember a letter being written that was not true to some leadership. And my heart was broken because I was really close to this individual. And I called Dennis Moore, who was my mentor at the time. <coughs> and I'm crying. You know, my heart was just broke because I poured out everything. And I'm on my back deck and I'm just crying. And I'm like, Lord, I have given everything. What else can I do? I just don't know. And he said this to me. I heard it clear as day. Will you love them? And I thought... <laughs> Well, no, I really don't want to. I'm going to be honest with you. I can, but that's why we're having this conversation because I'm not really feeling it right now, Abba. This person standing here saying, they're my friend, back behind my back. And Father God said, will you love them? And that was a crossroad for me. It changed my life. When I said yes. That next morning, or maybe it was sometime that week, but I think it was that next morning, a song I hadn't thought of in a really, really long time came to my spirit during my devotional. After I had said yes, it was uh, the one that goes up. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she lovely? So very lovely. Listen to this next line. Only a minute. Oh, I've been at this for 10 years. <laughs> and Daddy's telling me, you are 
lovely, you're beautiful, I'm so glad you did this, you're only a minute old, but oh, I'm looking at you, and this is glorious. It was like in that moment he was saying, Stephanie, I'm so proud of you. And I needed to hear it, to be honest with you, because it was painful. So sometimes when we're becoming a servant, it's a process. And it's not always a, yay, this feels so good. Jesus wasn't up on the cross when he was serving the body of Christ with nail-piercing hands and nail-pierced feet saying, oh, this feels so good. Please, Lord, let me do this again. Okay? He just wasn't. Let's just be honest. Nobody in their right mind would do that. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to admit that it hurts. It's okay to admit that it's painful. But you've got to get before him, take off that mask, and be like, I do not want to do this, but I want to want to do this, and I need your help. Amen? Can anybody else relate? Amen. And he will. He will do it. He will do it because he loves you. He will do it because you're his daughter. And he will sing that same, or son, I hear, or son. He will sing that same song over you. Isn't he lovely? Isn't he wonderful? So very lovely. Only a minute old. If you go and you look at those verses, the whole song, when Stevie Wonder wrote that song, is about his brand new baby daughter that was born. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture of a father's love for their child. So God, you know, had other things he wanted me to do. I didn't start out at the top. I babysat the neighbor's kids, and I was faithful to prophesy to the brother next door who was using, you know, drugs and stuck in unforgiveness, but he had a huge cross tattooed on his back. I had to prophesy to the father that I knew had abused the daughter that resulted in the child being born. I had to be faithful to these little things. I had to love my mom and my sister, my brother, when they wouldn't talk to me at Christmas. And I'm out in the garage crying and going, Lord, I need more grace. And I struggled in those moments. And I struggled. And I said, Lord, you said they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I can praise him today because they all know Jesus and they love him. But I remember, and it was painful, and it was hard. And I had to say it like Jesus did, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And now ten years later, I can say it was all worth it. But it's okay to struggle. Struggle is not going to kill you. Say that out loud. Say, I am not going to die. I'm not going to die. This is not going to break me. This is not going to break you. That's right, it's not going to break you. It's going to make you. It's actually the very thing that's needed to transform you in the fullness of who it is God's created you to be. The struggle forms you. It prepares you for your destiny. He had me working in the jails. Okay? Not nobody, listen. Everybody says amen in the jail. They just do. One or two, between one and five percent follow up with that lifestyle after they get out. So it's, it's beautiful proving ground of fruit. He had me work in the homeless ministry. I remember praying for a First Nations woman. First time anyone ever got healed. I was reading Isaiah 55 at my mother's house. Read through the entire thing. We get there, this woman comes in with a tree, what they call a tree fracture. It's a fracture that goes straight up and splits two ways. She had an x-ray of it. And Father God said, you just pray over her right now. In Jesus' name, the glory of God to come for her to be healed. But she was not saved. She received that, 
got healed, brought the x-ray back. It testified to her, it testified to all the homeless women, it testified to the doctors. But I had to start small and I started to get excited. Ooh, Lord, I want to have a healing ministry. Mm, yeah. I want to go everywhere, I want to do this. This is good, this is what it's about. Right? I was excited. I was ready to change the world everywhere. I'm going to go to Indonesia, I'm going to go to Japonia. He's like, Stephanie, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. The next week, this woman walks in who's in witchcraft, and this other woman who's been pregnant for nine years. I'm like, this is right. He's like, I need to teach you more before I send you out. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I had more to learn. It wasn't that he didn't want me to go because I'm going now. It was that I wasn't quite ready to go. If I'd gone ahead of my time, it would have been dangerous for me. But because I stayed in his will, because I was willing to stay under him, because I was willing to wait until he said to go, I was ready. So we get to Israel. Two Muslims were worshiping on Mount, where Jezebel was pushed off the cliff, by the way. I don't think that's next. And I just got done prophesying and decreeing and declaring that the house of heaven will be released to devour Jezebel from the city gate to every city gate. I come out and I'm dancing like a wild woman. Y'all know me. I'm buck wild in Israel on the sidewalk, in this park, on the cliff, decreeing and declaring, come Jesus, come. Everybody else is pretty low. I just couldn't help it. I was so like, yahoo! The spirit of yahoo is funny. You know, when you have those moments with God where he like lights you up, it was one of those. These two Muslim men come walking on the other side of me. My eyes are closed because I am in the glory zone. Nobody exists but me and Jesus. And they poof, hit me, walk up and slam me in the right shoulder. And I come up out of the spirit and my flesh goes, oh, heck nah. <laughs> right? I was like, I'm like, pray the spirit. You better love him. You better love him. Right? Ten years ago, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been like, let me tell you something, mister. But that day, I prayed in the spirit, and I turned around, and I gathered my flesh and quieted it, and I decreed and declared the salvation of the Lord over them. Just that the glory of God on me is contagious, and I tell you the truth in Jesus' name, you shall come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I believe there will come a day when I'll get to see that fruit, amen? So God was teaching me to be a servant all those years. All those years, it's all about love. Letting the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts until we look like Jesus. He says, if you are faithful over the little things, I will make you a ruler over much. Next slide. John 13, 3. I was in bed one day and kind of pondering the message. I do that throughout the week. He'd give me the Colossians 1, 27. And I listened to the word at night audibly. Um, we live on the south side of town, so there's a lot going on in the atmosphere. So a lot of times I'll put the word on it, and I just play it through in the night watch, and I'll wake up periodically through the night and hear things the Lord will speak. And this verse came up a couple days ago, and I wrote it down because I felt like he wanted me to share it when talking about the servant's heart. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. In light of that. So he got up from the meal. He took off his other clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel 
that was wrapped around him. When we know who we are, we do not have a problem serving others because the manner in which we are called to serve other people does not change the royalty that remains in us. We can do anything. I can remember babysitting my grandmother who had dementia. And uh, she'd be throwing forks away and hollering and screaming at us and quite frankly swearing, okay? That, that comes with dementia. I don't know if you know that, if you all have ever had to take care of somebody. And who she cussed me out one day. But the good thing is, you'd walk out of the room, you know, she was mad because we were going out and she was starting to get scared. And she cussed me out. She was so mad. Why are you leaving me? And we made plans and we had to go and we knew the Lord wanted us to go. But by the time we got back, she said, those mean people, she's talking to me about me, those mean people, they left me here. And the Lord said, just say, oh, Grandma, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I did. And she calmed right down. And she's like, thank you so much for coming back. You know, changing my grandmother's diaper, cleaning up after an individual who came here for a conference and, had an accident in the bathroom. Lord said, go take care of it. She's really embarrassed. She doesn't want anyone to know. Those are things you tell people, but those are things sometimes God's going to ask you to do. And I always told a good friend of mine that um, if someone's willing to clean the toilets, I can go to war with them anywhere. Because there's nothing that is above them. There's nothing too menial or too dirty that they're not willing to do it. To me, that speaks as volumes. Because if you'll be faithful with those little things, if you're willing to get your hands dirty, there's no dirty person that you cannot impact or love or reconcile to God because you're saying, I'm willing to go low. I'm willing to do the things that don't look popular. I'm willing to not just stand up on the platform or be on the altar team, but I'm willing to make the food. She was been making food for us the last couple of weeks and years, but bringing it for six months. They're willing to that, that heart of a servant. I just absolutely love it. And it's so valuable. It's not just value to me. It's kingdom value. The greatest among us, God said, is the servant of what? All. Amen? Go ahead and go on the next slide. Colossians 125. That mystery that has been, excuse me, 26. That mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Go ahead and go to the next slide. I love this word, glory. Dokio. Can you say dokio? Yeah, dokio. Isn't that a fun word? It means of glory. It means literally... Uh, Hence, giving praise, honor, and glory to God. It means his energy and power that flows through us so that God can receive the honor. We go through these afflictions so that God can be praised. His miracles, his wonders, and his signs occur so that man will glorify him. Amen? Go ahead and go to the next slide. How do we bring God glory? If Christ in us is the hope of glory, how do we bring God glory? Again, uh, this happens about mostly here in bed. You'll hear this a lot. I'm laying in bed in the waking hours and God will speak. And he brought to me John 17. Some of you probably were familiar with that. We use that for all the unity movements in the region. We talk about that a lot. He said in John 17, 4, I have brought you glory on earth by what? 
by completing the work that you gave me to do. How do we bring God glory? We do what he told us to do. And back 10, 20 years ago, in the word about being an individual who bring unity to the body of Christ, I didn't have to do exactly that. Then I didn't have to come up with some great vision and some wonderful website and create some strategy on how we were going to do this. That's not how God works. What is he asking? What, Daddy, what do you want me to do today? I want you to change your daughter's diaper. I want you to teach and disciple your children. I want you now to go work at the homeless ministry. Okay. I want you now to go do jail ministry. Okay. They offered me a job over at Trinity. I want you now to, you know, accept that job. Okay. It was one simple act of obedience at a time. And when I get to the end of my days, whenever that is, should the Lord tear me, I'll be done. I'll be able to stand before him and say, Lord, I completed the work that you gave me to do. Come on. Come on, so will you. We just have to stay focused, stay in the moment, and call on him in the midst of every task. You plus Jesus is more than enough to beat any foe, to conquer any trial, to take down any mountain, to defeat any enemy. Amen? So how do we function? How do we flow in this area of hope of glory. It goes on to say in John 17, my prayer is not for them alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me to their message. That's talking about us. That all of them may be one. And this is what we talk about a lot in the pastor's circles, right? That all of them may be one. We know in part we prophesy in part. Lord, make us one. Cause us to function in harmony with one another. Right? We want these unity, unified prayer movements, unified Whatever, outreach movements, right? The ecclesia, unified conferences. This is so beautiful. And that's part of it. That's part of it. We literally need each other. And the truth of the matter is the body suffers when you don't bring your portion. And sometimes I think the enemy tries to convince us that, boy, I really don't have that much to bring. It doesn't matter if I come. It doesn't matter if I give my word, right? But honestly, it's the real little foxes that'll spoil the mind sometimes. And if you don't give your seemingly small portion, it shift, It can shift the way an entire meeting goes. How many of you were encouraged by the words that Brad and Ellen Lear shared today? Yeah, come on. Yeah, right? It blessed you. It resonates and it speaks to our heart, right? So every little piece is important. There's, if God's telling you to say it, there's someone that needs to hear it. And he loves them and loves you and wants to use you to do it. And it's just a matter of stepping out of faith. That's so important. I do want to say this. If we do not reach our full potential in Christ Jesus, the entire body of Christ suffers for it. So imagine that motorcycle. If there is a part that we put in the motorcycle that is not functioning in its full capacity in what it's created to do or manufactured to do, it becomes a real dangerous ride. Amen? That's why it's so important that we come into the fullness of maturity, that we sharpen one another, that we humble ourselves to learn from one another, that we stay in community. Because if we don't come into the fullness of who we're created to be, literally, literally, the body suffers for it. We miss out on awesome you. Literally. We need you. So how does oneness look? Listen to this verse. 
John 17 again, it says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. This is Rockland World. This is actually what hit me. I used this verse for unity moments in the region for years, over 10 years. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Check this out. Excuse me. Say kathos. Kathos is the Greek for just as. Or according as. According as means in accord with in accordance with the way in which it was with you. Or just as means to the equal degree or in the same way as. So what Jesus was really saying is Father God, to the equal degree or in the same way as you are in me and I am in you. I want that to be so with them. Come on. To the equal degree that God is in Christ, Jesus was asking that that same degree of Jesus would be in us. That lit me up this week. Number one, because it means it's possible. Can anybody say amen? amen. Number two, because Jesus always gets what he wants. He never had a prayer that he prayed that was not answered. Amen? Oh, that lit me up. Lit me up. I believe we are coming into the greatest movement in the body of Christ in the history of the world. I believe Peter and Paul and James and John are peering over the fence of heaven, if you will, of the invisible supernatural border that the Lord has created, and they are looking to see, is this the generation that will believe this word, that to, this, to the same degree that God dwelt in Christ, that the Father dwelt in Christ, that in this hour, in this era, we will say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me, I believe it. Christ in me, the hope of glory. If he did it, I can do it. If he said it, it can happen. If he's willing He's able that I am a willing vessel completely surrendered to whatever he wants to do, no matter the cost. Come on. That lit me up. That lit me up. Lit me up this week. He said, I have given them. Turn to your neighbor and say, you already have it. You already have it. You do not need anything else to fulfill all the fullness of who it is God's created you to be. You have everything you need. He said in the the other scripture, right? You have been given everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of him and through his good and precious promises. You already have everything you need. You're not missing anything. You might still be in process. And that's all right. Nine years. Thirteen years. Okay. Ten years now since 2012 that we've been in Kabul. Nine more. It's a process. But you have everything you need. Just like that seed has everything it needs to become an oak tree, that acorn has everything in it needs to become an acorn. But acorns take a minute to grow. They sprout up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. It doesn't become a tree overnight. And even in nine or ten years, it looks pretty good, but you could probably run over it with a Ford pickup truck. Right? But that doesn't mean you aren't on the way to where you're going, and it doesn't mean you're not fulfilling your destiny, and it doesn't mean that you've missed it or that you've messed up. It just means you've got a fantastic and an amazing and a beyond what you can recognize this moment destiny upon your life, and you're just not there yet, and it's okay. 
Sometimes we look around at the cilantro seeds and the poppy seeds and those things that spring up quickly and look beautiful. We go, man, that's amazing. Took them three to five years to get there. But if you really want this in your life, if you want Christ in you, the hope of glory, you want to be that acorn that turns into an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, it takes time. It can take nine years, 13 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years, a quarter of a century, for Isaac to be born. And that was for him just to be born. He wasn't full grown. He hadn't had his babies yet. He hadn't met <laughs> That was him as a baby. God has great plans for us, you guys. Does, this, does anybody else encourage besides me? I'm lighting myself up. I'm just saying. I'm like, yes. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm going to do what he says to do. I'm going to say what he says to say. Because he is good and he has proven himself faithful. Amen. And he is not done with you. He is not done with you and he is not done with me. Amen. You have work to do. If you're alive and you are breathing and you are moving and you are shaking, guess what? God has a destiny on your life. You need to do some things. He is not done with you. And I just hear you are not washed up. You are not overlooked. You are not finished. Now is the time. I just hear no more delay. No more delay. No more delay in Jesus' name. Father God, right now over the ecclesia, the corporate body of Christ in this city, from this city gate to every city gate, we decree and declare that your body will come into the Kairos timing of this season that you have for them, Father God. I ask that you would loose legions of obedient angels right now to break delay off of your people so that they can break through into the fullness of who you call them to be in this season. Where gates have been shut, Father God, we decree declare that the doors be open. Father God says, I've opened a door unto you that no man can shut. No man can shut. He says, Behold, I have the keys of the kingdom, and there is no door locked to you that the Lord Jesus Christ cannot unlock. I have made a way where there is no way. Great is his faithfulness. Amen? There's glory on that. There's glory on that. I'm sorry, I'm praying in the spirit. Father God, yes, we praise you. We thank you for that word seal in Jesus' name. Some of those of you who are new to the body, there's what they call tongues of angels. That's what I'm doing when I'm praying like that, okay? And you don't have to be nervous about that. Um, it's just sometimes saying it in English isn't enough. <laughs> I will try to interpret for the sake of the body. So hope of glory, how do we function in that hope of glory? John 17, 26, it says, I made you known to them. This is Jesus talking. And he says, I will continue to make them known in order that what? This is the end of it all. Jesus is about to tell us why he's making himself, the Father, known to us. The entire purpose of it, he says, in order that what? The love you have for me may be in them. Jackie, when you guys were singing that song today about Jesus, all I want to do is be in your presence, I started to leave. I was like, yes, I could just quit right there. Just sing that for the next seven hours. I'll stay. All I want to do is be in your presence. Because it's all about him. You don't owe me nothing. Man, I just want to see you. I want to behold your glory. 
I want to see your goodness. I want to taste and see again that you are good. The end of it all is that we would love Jesus the way the Father loves him. Amen. We can only do that in the measure that we behold his glory and his goodness and receive more of his grace. Right? Because then we become thankful. Hey, here I am again with me, myself, and not my side. I take off my mask. This is my mess. I behold his beauty, and I come back with a message and a testimony. Amen? I leave the monies at the foot of the cross, come back with a testimony. That was funny. That was funny? That was cute. Okay, wasn't that funny? I was laughing at myself. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, and he goes on to say, what is the second thing? That your love for me would be in them, and that I myself would be in them. Just imagine with me real quick. Christ in you is the hope of glory. When you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, it's this Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you, the fullness of the Godhead, right? Because they're inseparable. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ literally dwells in you. You have that seal. You're a new creation. Christ is already in you. He's already in you. He may be in the form of the seed, like back it says in Genesis, right? Her seed will crush your head. It's literally sperma in the natural. It's like giving birth to something. There's a gestation period and it takes time. But you are going to birth something supernatural because Christ is already in you and it's not something you have to strive to make happen. And that might be weird for the guys, right? I'm pregnant. Yes, you are. Jesus saying, you are pregnant in the spirit. Welcome to womanhood. The female side of that. Okay? You gotta go there in the supernatural, right? You don't, don't get all, you know, we're not transitioning. Let me be clear in this culture. That's important. Right? But in the spirit, men and women can be pregnant because Christ is so with glory. And there is that gestation period, that's a process we talked about, but he is already in you. Literally. And go back to that original verse. I'm going to read it again. Daddy said he wanted you to know. To them God has chosen to make known to you, to each of you who are here today. God has chosen you to make known among the Gentiles. And I'm just going to say among the nations. This is called Shishkini International for a reason. If you're coming here, I believe you're called in the nations. I believe that with all my heart. God has begun to open the doors to the nations, and we are going through those doors, and he has been faithful to give us great favor, and we'll continue to do that. The word he gave me for this church, he said, if you find five apostolic leaders, I will give you five continents of the world. What does that mean? That sounds absolutely arrogant and ridiculous. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of was like, well, Lord, you're going to have to tell some other people. Right? But then I look at YWAM. Okay, it's possible, you know? God can do anything, right? With him, all things are possible. I'm not going to tell him what he can and can't do. I think it'd be possible to unite 210 pastors in the city, and he did it. That's our daddy. I love this. To them, God has chosen to make known among, and I'm going to say the nations, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You guys are the mystery. You're the mystery carriers. It's Halloween, whatever. Listen, it's Halloween. Okay? I'm just saying. 
every day of the week. You are the mystery. You're the walking, mysterious ones amidst the world. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, he gives you success. He gives you that ground. You're dominion takers. You're kings and queens. So when Paul says, to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully is working in me, that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we talk about this all the time. How? We who with unveiled faces, here I am. This is the real me. This is where I'm really at. All reflect the Lord's glory, not our own. In other words, I brought my hot mess. I left my mask there. I received what I needed because apart from him, I could do what? No thing. But with him, what? All things are possible. Amen? Amen. So you reflect the Lord's glory. It's his grace and glory on your life. Are being transformed into his likeness. There's no greater compliment in the entire world than someone to say, man, you're like Jesus. And I'm not going to say this to brag, but I'm going to say this to honor my friend, Sad Salim Hussein. Hussein Salim. He took a picture of me in my green, you know, in Jordan. He goes back to Iraq. The Lord told us to buy him a ticket. Sheen and I had to settle him for several years, and he was part of our family. But God bless that man. He's an Iraqi. Came to St. Nelson Jesus Christ, got baptized. He still smoked, and, you know, he was where he was. But I love that man. So we sent him back. He made me deer head soup one day, if that tells you anything about it. And he would come over to my house, and he would say, Stay, you're a woman. Please, iron my suit. I was like, dear Jesus, the Lord would say, iron his suit. Iron his suit. He was a general in Saddam Hussein's army. And the Lord just gave me a deep love for this man. He wasn't willing to kill the women and children when they went up to the Turks. And so they cut off his ear. They put him in jail, and they take him out of jail once a month, and they beat him for two hours. And he'd lift up his shirt, and you can see the marks from the whips. So I just had a real soft spot for him, because he'd already been through so much. He joked when he got off the plane and got asylum here in America, and he said, I think maybe Michigan is God's punishment for me. <laughs> because it's so way, right? right? I just absolutely love him. Then I told him, I said, well, Saad, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. In Michigan, God raises up winter soldiers. It's a beautiful breed. It's a strong breed. And uh, so we sent him back. He had a dream. The Lord told me he had to go back because he hadn't seen his son and his daughter in 17 years. And we sent him back. Uh, we buy the ticket. There's a mix-up with that. That all worked out. But he takes with him this huge picture of me in my bright green sweater. You may have seen it. It's one I use on the back of the book that um, recently came out. Or last year, I guess it was. And my hair is all down. He's big earrings. So he puts it. He get, we help him rent this little storefront in um, Nejef, which is completely Shiite, by the way. So this little church. Helps this guy buy a storefront in Shiite Muslim country where he basically sells candy and popsicles and pops to the kids and tells them about how this woman is like Jesus. And let me tell you a story about Jesus. That, and they all come and she's beautiful, she's so beautiful. He goes, Yes, I used to live in America. And let me tell you about something. This woman is like Jesus. Highest compliment I ever received from. That man who drove me nuts someplace. He's with the Lord now. Both of his kids are saved. 
they still call us on the phone and talk to us and ask us how we're doing once in a while. We'll do worship with them over Facebook. Um, but you guys, I say that all to say, Jesus is already in you. You already have everything you need for someone to say that about you. And maybe, probably, with many of you, they already have. The only thing we have to give back to God are our crowns when we get there. It says, we'll all stand in the fire, and some of us, all our works will be burned up, and some of us, the treasure will remain, right? Those things that we're offhand. And I really believe the only difference between the works that burn up and the works that remained or endure the fire are the ones that he told us to do in the first place. John Bevere tells a fun story, and he says how he had this vision where this gentleman um, gets into heaven. He goes, Evangelist Smith! And the guy's like, oh, this is the Yellow County. <laughs> you know? Evangelist Smith! Calls him up. I want you to give an accounting for the things that I asked you to do. I called you to be an evangelist. What did you do with that gift on your life? When we think about this world, when we really know who God is and we understand that in eternity there is no end of time, it makes the, the laboring and the suffering that we go through Quite frankly, just like little, whatever, flake the flea. You know, seriously. Bye bye. Okay. So what I gotta die again. So what the enemy's mad at me. So what somebody's talking about me. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I'm in good company. He was a man of no reputation. Amen. <laughs> I'll just join him on that trip and be a woman of no reputation. Amen. Shana, can you turn some music on? We're gonna do an activation. <laughs> I went to 111 um, with Lou Engel, and I was worshiping for 24 hours straight. I had fasted. And uh, some pastors from Detroit and a prophet from Detroit were right behind me. And I, it was another one of those moments where I was being wild, wildly myself, who got me to be and just worshiping kind of buck wild in the moment. Yeah, go ahead, you can turn that one up. And in that moment, um, we were going into our 20th hour, and the prophet behind me turned to me and he said, Everywhere you go, you're going to bring glory, 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 glory. Again, another word. I was like, Well, that's right. And he said, And you're going to bring fire, 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 fire. And the fire of God's a beautiful thing because the song is solid, like they were singing today, Cam, you sing today. His love is as strong as death. His servants are flaming for him. Those of us that are fully in love with him, he wants us to burn for him like that bush that doesn't consume. But we are a glorious, mysterious sight that the world looks at and goes, I don't understand that, but man, I want it. It causes me to hunger and thirst for what we have, Christ in us. So if you want to receive that same blessing, I would love to just bring it in. So sometimes, every once in a while, I'll have a prayer. I just pray, fire, 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 glory, 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 glory. And I really believe it's actually an impartation to being an officer within the fivefold ministry. I'll be completely frank with you, okay? said it five times, and it wasn't just fire or glory, okay? It was 
fire and glory. So if you understand the two thrones, really there's a tenfold ministry. There's two thrones in heaven. There's the throne of the Father and there's the throne of the Son. One is about the glory, the Father. One is about the love, the flames or the fire, Jesus. He was the perfect example of God's love for us. And God is the perfect example of his power, of his glory, of his wonder, of his might. Fire and glory is the convergence that's coming forth. It's not either or. We're not just going to be lovers of Jesus and all wishy-wishy, mercy, whatever. We're also going to be kings. We're going to be kings and we're going to be priests. We're going to be those that reconcile men and women to God and see them redeemed and minister to them and love on them and humble themselves and clean up bathrooms with stuff all over the floor that we don't want to clean up. And we're going to be those that are kings, that we can walk into a city and queens, and we can walk into a city or into a political boardroom, and we can say, I see you, enemy, and in the name of my Father, by the finished work of Jesus Christ, I bind you and I decree and declare, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here on earth, this is heaven. We're going to see atmospheres change. We're going to be thermostats instead of thermometers. Does that resonate with you guys at all? I think, oh, the, the last Reformation, if you look at it, there was a Reformation where we, the, the Reformation of the priesthood came, right? Our identity and who we are in Christ and how we're called to minister, how we're called to keep the fire on our altar, we're called to worship. But there's also been a separate Reformation, the prophetic realm, that's been all about the prophetic, that's been all about taking land, that's been all about taking cities, that's been all about silence and wonders and seeing the supernatural happen. And in this era, it's not either or, it's both and. Same because God in all of his fullness dwells in Christ, and there's those two thrones. That same fullness of both and dwells in the new habit. So if you want to receive it, I just want to release that to you. You can receive it from your seats, or we can line up and do it, whatever you want to do, guys. However, y'all want to do that. Just want to stand up and So Father God, you said freely I've received and freely I give now. Just everything you gave to me from that prophet, that same I decree and declare a release of your fire, 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 fire in Jesus' name. And I ask that you baptize them with fire from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Father God. That they would be servants of flame for you. That your banner over them would be love. That the love in their hearts that you have for Jesus would be in their hearts. That that love would be as strong as death. And Father God, I decree and declare a release of your glory, 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 glory in Jesus' name. That they will be able to go into the nations and go into cities and go into spheres of the seven mountains and hear and see a thing and know and be able to discern what it is that you are doing and that you want to do and that the mountains will come down in Jesus' name. That your glory will go forth in Jesus' name. And that every other thing that is done you will be bound up in your kingdom, Father God, will come. In your kingdom, Father God, will be done will be done here on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name we give you all the glory Abba you are great you are great let's just worship him with this song real quick just thank him for you've received it receive it by faith receive it by faith we're just going to worship him we're just going to worship him if you need to go it is 514 uh, you're released. There are snacks out there. Um, you're welcome to receive those. If you need prayer or prophetic ministry, you can come up front.
Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.